Welcome to In the Clubhouse, a podcast about Washington Nationals and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Richard. In this episode, I spoke with Jake Blake Jamison. Blake is an artist who designed the 1951 Topps cards and worked on the Topps 2020 project. Project 2020 is a year-long collection on Topps.com. The baseball card set visually reimagines baseball cards that have defined generations. So, let's go in the clubhouse. Thank you, Blake, for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. So let's just dive right into things. Um, can you just talk a little bit about your love for baseball and, you know, how has it developed over the years? And, you know, how did that love translate to your art? No problem. So I grew up uh, just north of San Francisco, and my dad from basically since I was born had season tickets to the Oakland A's. And so we would go uh, over the bridge to the A's and I grew up like, you know, kind of during the Bash Brothers. So it was like, you know, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire were like my idols growing up. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see, I was like four or five. We moved to Florida. And so we weren't going to A's games anymore, but we were pretty close to spring training in Sarasota, Florida for the White Sox. And so we would go and see a lot of spring training. And we sometimes travel. Uh, we saw some spring cha- training in Arizona, uh, again, watching the A's. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I grew up going to baseball games, collecting baseball cards with my dad. And so it's cool how it's come full circle. And now I am working with Tops and designing my own baseball cards. Yeah, that's must be really a really cool um, thing to just – Happen, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But I wanted to also kind of jump into like how you get, how did you get into art, and you know specifically um, doing sports art. Yeah, so I mean, I grew up in a very creative household. My parents were always encouraging me to make art, and then when it came time to go to school, they they encouraged me to study art. I decided not to study art. I studied economics, and always kind of kept art as a hobby. I worked in marketing for almost a decade after college and on my 30th birthday, I decided that I wanted to do something career wise that also was uh, something that I was passionate about. And so I pivoted from a marketing career to painting full time and I didn't paint in sports immediately, took a little bit of time to kind of find that niche and really it kind of found me to be honest, uh, just meeting the right people with the right connections that kind of helped, uh, get my foot in the door with some of these pro athletes and it kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, that's really cool. I love the story. I love your story because I kind of feel sometimes, you know, I have like a marketing background also. Um, you know, I do the Nats report and, and the clubhouse podcast and I, I'm, you know, I would love to one day trans, uh, transfer it to a real time job, but I, I love hearing these great, you know, entrepreneurial um, stories for sure. Absolutely. Um, so what are you, what are some of the most challenging athletes that you've drawn so far? Oh man, the most challenging, I think, 
Uh, it's one of the Project 2020 cards that I did in tw uh, for Tops recently was the Mariano Rivera card where he's kind of like leaning up against the wall uh, in a little bit of just kind of an awkward pose uh, for a baseball card. And so, you know, I'm used to drawing athletes in the middle of the action, whether it's, you know, hitting a grand slam or making a diving catch or something. And so I think that one was one of the more challenging ones. But I mean, in general, like I've painted... 400 plus athletes at this point and so like there's i kind of have a formula and like i kind of have it figured out like I'm, I'm very comfortable in that space um and so oftentimes you know if i really want to challenge myself i'll push my boundaries outside of uh sports portraits awesome so um it's a good segue to the tops uh 1951 card project that i want to talk about because it's so interesting so how did it come about and like how long did it take you to design the cards and kind of like take us a little bit behind the scenes, if you will? Sure. So Project 2020 uh, took off to an extent that Tops didn't expect, uh, nor any of us artists. And so last year when the project was really like getting crazy momentum and a lot more attention than, um, than they had expected, Tops started to talk to some of us artists about you know what our next project might be together and so we've been talking about this 1951 uh, set concepts for probably five or six months like quite quite a while and I, it's finally now that it's out like i'm allowed to talk about it which is great um but a lot of that discussion was like super slow because we were all caught up in the project 2020 stuff and so like it might be a week or two in between emails where we just were spitballing ideas and and starting to kind of put together the concept um, but yeah, essentially 1951 was the very first year that tops had an MLB license. And hmm. so in 2021, this is their 70th anniversary, 70th year for doing baseball cards. And so the first set that ever came out was the 1951 set, which was a deck of 52 cards. And it was kind of like a, a card game where certain cards will say like a triple or a double or a home run. And like the idea was you split them in half and then you like kind of play war with them. So you flip it over and like if I get a home run and you get a triple, then I win and like I win that match, that card or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that like, you know, 70th, 70th anniversary is like a big deal to them and they wanted to do something to kind of, um, you know, commemorate a long time in the industry. And uh, so one of their ideas was having me redo the very first set that they ever created. That's really cool. I didn't realize that it was, um, you know, like their 75th anniversary. What was like working with them? Like how involved were they in the design process? Um, how much like freedom did you have to kind of do what you wanted to do? Yeah. Uh, it's been great. I think, uh, first of all, I think tops did a really good job selecting a very diverse group of artists for hmm. project 2020. And, it sounds to me, it seems to me like Tops is kind of as hands on or as hands off as the artist wants. So like they were always fast to respond if I needed, uh, if I had a question or needed help with something. But if I wasn't reaching out to them with questions, as long as I'm hitting like my deadlines and turning in my cards on time, you know, I don't ever hear from them. They don't need anything from me. So they really let the artists do their thing artistically, which has been awesome. There was only one card uh, out of all 20 that I had to make a very kind of small change. Uh, and that was more because Major League Baseball also has to approve everything uh, in hmm. addition to tops. And so sometimes they'll, we'll end up with, uh, you know, roadblocks there, but it's pretty rare, to be honest. 
Did you? Did they give you designs of their 1951 cards to kind of like work off of, or was this kind of like this is how I imagine this card set going to be like, and this is what I want to draw? Draw. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So they they did, and they they kind of left it up to me like, how much I wanted to change from the original card, and so essentially we worked together on a Photoshop template that is used for all 52 cards. Mm. And that's kind of the whole border and all the text, everything except for the main portrait, which is in the center. And then the small figure portrait in the top, right? So those are both paintings. And then I did like small details, like um, putting the numbers on the ball. So for example, for a triple, the ball icon will have a three. And instead of using like just a typed three of any font, it was like hand drawn or painted. Uh, so there was some stuff like that. I mean, it was very collaborative. I think if I had wanted to like redesign the card a lot more and make a lot of changes, they would have let me, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was cool to kind of stay true to the original set and then just, uh, add my flair in the middle. That must've been like a really cool project from start to finish. Like how long did it take you to come up with the design and, you know, be like, this is like, this is something that I definitely want to put my name on. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, you know, it's, we'd been negotiating for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, <coughs> excuse me, we didn't like sign a contract or really like, cause I'm not going to start painting until I have something in writing. And so we didn't mm-hmm. get that contract until like, I think it was middle of November, uh, or maybe early November. And so at that point I spent probably two weeks, uh, not every day, like kind of casually looking through Getty images, because for this project, I got to choose all of my own photos oh. uh, versus the last project with tops. They gave me the, the exact photo that they wanted me to use. And so I spent a while picking the images. And then once all the images were picked uh, and then, and also like approved by tops, it was basically January for, or sorry, December 1st, when I started painting and I finished it by, it was basically everything was due on January 1st. So within one month, I painted 52 paintings, which is definitely more paintings than I've ever done in a month, uh, and kind of set it up like an assembly line. I, I create all of my portraits using stencils. And so the most time consuming part of my artistic process is cutting out those stencils by hand. And so I was just probably spent like two weeks straight cutting out stencils and then like a week straight painting and then another week of kind of redoing a couple that I wasn't happy with or fixing certain things. So Hmm. it was a very busy month, but uh, very rewarding at the end to have so many completed artworks. Yeah. It must've been like, and kind of going back to what you said earlier about like collecting your own, like collecting baseball cards when you're young. I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of us, you know, in, in a, in a, you know, thirties, forties, um, you definitely did that when they were younger. Um, I think that a little bit that the art of collecting baseball cards has been lost. What, are, what are, What's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's crazy how in my lifetime, you know, when I was young collecting cards, it was booming. It was very popular industry. And that's kind of how we ended up with the junk wax era, because companies like Tops and uh, Fleer and Don Russ, you know, all the companies were like, it was like printing money. The more cards they printed, the more money they got. And mm-hmm. so they printed all of those cards in like the eighties and nineties, mid eighties to like mid nineties were just super overprinted. And so like a lot of those cards now, like don't hold a ton of value 
in the secondary market, like for actual money. But I think from a sentimental value standpoint, for me, at least they're very meaningful. Um, and I think like, I don't know, I guess I was probably between 10 and 15 when I fell out of baseball cards. And, um, you know, I've always kind of been a collector at heart. I collected all kinds of, you know, different things, magic cards, Pokemon cards, beanie bags, you know, all kinds of stuff. I was always wheeling and dealing, but I fell out of baseball cards and hadn't really gotten back into it until project 2020 looped me back into that scene. And like, I kept hearing the story from fans, like, of the same experience, you know, they're around my age. I'm, you know, just turned 36 a couple of days ago. And uh, a lot of people have tons of baseball cards in their garage, same, like not worth a ton of money, but worth a lot like sentimentally. And so I think a lot of people during like COVID busted out their baseball cards, got back into it. And so it's definitely seeing kind of a resurgence in the industry. Um, it's pretty wild what, what some of the price, you know, some of the prices are for, little pieces of cardboard <laughs> yeah uh, did you see that uh the, the mickey mantle um card that just got sold for 5.2 million i think it was 5.2 million dollars yes absolutely insane man <laughs> well, how do you feel if somebody bought your card for 5.2 million dollars <laughs> yeah i feel uh i'd feel good and guilty at the same time <laughs> <laughs> um I want to bring it a little bit local to DC. So in the first set of your cards, you have um, a certain uh, Washington national Juan Soto. Um, So I kind of want to know, um, you know, what was your, like, how did you go about drawing him? And um, do you plan on doing any more Washington nationals? And are you taking any suggestions for some future nationals? All good questions. Uh, (laughs) So, like I said, like because I was painting 52 paintings uh, over the course of 30 days, I had done a lot of research in, in making just making sure that I found the right photograph, which is what everything starts with. That photo of Juan Soto uh, was from like their like press photo day. Uh, some of the photos I used were like from photo days, which are just the players on like a white backdrop, backdrop or a colored backdrop, and sometimes are like field shots out out in. Um, out in the field. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was the best one. I like to capture as many of the players as I could within the set smiling. Um, so that was fun. And then it was also interesting and, and experimental because I'm, I'm painting 52, um, 52 players, you know, kind of sequentially and I want them all to kind of match. And so like, I kind of had to be really thoughtful about like skin tones. Um, and so he was actually one of, because of uh, just the way that the waves work. Uh, I was a little bit experimental with the skin tones, but I feel like it worked really well uh, right off the bat. I didn't have to redo that one, which is great. Uh, as far as other nationals, um, I can't tell you who, but I can tell you at least one more is in uh, the 1952 set. I don't think it's going to be a big surprise to a lot of people, uh, which is great. Another player that I had never painted before. Uh, it was also really cool to see when the cards launched that they tops ended up doing some player autograph cards and one soto is one of the player autos that they offered for sales like a la carte compared to like buying the whole wave where you just get base cards one through 13. Mm-hmm. so tops had kind of alluded that they might do some player autos they didn't tell me at all like who it would be or even whether or not it was confirmed and so like it was the day that they launched last week that uh, I got to see those and I thought that was pretty cool. And fortunately, as the artist of the card, Tops is giving me one of the 
autographs of each player. So I will get my first uh, Juan Soto auto, which I'm pumped about. That's awesome. Are you a big uh, Juan Soto fan, or um, I know that you know you're in New York nowadays, so you know you. New York guy. I mean, honestly, I think like as far as like team loyalty, I'm I'm still like Athletics and and really Giants also. Growing up in the Bay, uh, especially when I was older, like I would also go to Giants games. But being someone who like works with athletes on a ton of different teams, and this is different because I'm working obviously with tops. It's not like Juan and I are getting to like hang out. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, a lot of the other work I did before tops would give me opportunities to like meet these players and develop relationships. And so I've really like kind of through that become just like a fan of good sports. And Mm. so it doesn't like, I'm not too particular about what teams are playing or what teams are winning. I think if it's like, if you're in good company or you're watching a good game uh, or like watching a really good individual player, um, like Juan Soto, uh, that's fun too. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you that I got, um, I purchased my first set of those cards and I think it's probably um, the first set of baseball cards that I've purchased since I was like, also 10 or 11 so <laughs> yeah i'm i'm psyched about getting my uh my Juan soto card um delivered to my uh mail my mailbox i mean now life during covid getting mail is like the best thing in the world i know it's crazy i had so much mail to pick up today <laughs> um so um i know that you probably love all of your baseball cards that you drew, drew um but i'm just kind of curious if you um you know, one stands out to you that you were like, you know what, like, this is really cool that like, I'm drawing this player or, you know, this came out really like spot on or like, you know, like, I'm sure like we all say that we don't, we all love our children equally, but in reality, maybe we love one of our children more than any, anybody else. So I'm just kind of curious, what are like, what do you, what is your favorite card that you draw drew so far? Sure. So Within Project 2020, I would have to say my favorite's Mark McGuire. <clears throat> the uh, reference card that Tops had given us was the 1987 uh, rookie where he was on the A's, the Woodgrain <laughs> Border card. The original card that I remembered uh, as a kid kind of treasuring was the also Tops, but it was uh, 85 and it was him on Team USA. And so the card I ended up creating for Tops Project 2020, I kind of tried to make a hybrid of both of those. And so I still, I put Mark in the Team USA jersey, um, but I still kept him on the wood green background. And then behind that, I put an American flag to kind of go with the Team USA stuff. So I think like that card to me, like meant so much uh, as a kid. So like getting to kind of reimagine it was awesome. And then it was just like, like I said, like I've gotten really lucky sometimes along mm-hmm. the way, but Mark McGuire ended up seeing that card and, and an article that MLB.com had written about it. And so he ended up getting in contact with me and now we, we talk semi-frequently, which is crazy to think that like, you know, I grew up idolizing this guy and now we're texting each other, which is great. Um, if I had to pick a second and I think it's like, I'm biased. So like, no matter what happened, I would have said Mark McGuire. I think, uh also worth noting is i think my very last card bob gibson came out really cool it just came out really clean and i think that that shows how much my art has changed just in the last eight months of the project 
because I'm very, I'm used to working pretty large scale. I'm not used to like having my art printed as two and a half by three and a half inches size and still make it look cool. So I think by the end of 20 cards, I got down a really good kind of rhythm for making the cards as well as like understanding what I can do graphically that's still going to scale down really well and look good when it's pretty small. That's really cool. Um, and I know that we have a special um, thing for our listeners. So people are going to have to head over to um, at Nat's report on Twitter to find out um, the special giveaway that we're going to be doing with Blake. Um, one other, one last question, and then we're going to get to um, my lightning round questions. Um, what are some upcoming projects that you're working on that you would like to share? Sure. So I have a couple. Uh, number one, I partnered with Pristine Auction, pristineauction.com. Mm -hmm. uh, they do a lot of sports memorabilia stuff, trading card stuff, jerseys and uh, whatnot. Uh, we partnered in, we're doing some limited prints of Nolan Ryan, Bo Jackson, uh, and Magic Johnson. Each of those prints are going to be signed by those players. And then we're going to sell auction off those prints together. So I think that's probably the most exciting thing that I have. Uh, coming up uh, in the immediate future, be ex in addition to further waves of the Tops 1951 set. So every Wednesday, a new wave comes out. It's 13 cards per wave, and it's four sequential weeks. So wave two will come out uh, this week on January 20th. I'm not sure when this will air, so if people are listening. It came out on January 20th. Uh, <laughs> and the next week, 27th, will be the next wave and so on. So awesome. So those are the two big things, yeah. And check, and people should check out to see which Washington National uh, is going to be an upcoming uh, uh, wave. That's right. Okay, so are you ready for our lightning round? Absolutely. So these are five questions. Um, so this like the first thing that comes to your and the first answer that comes to your mind went after the question. So here we go. Great. Um, favorite baseball movie. Sandlot. Favorite baseball team? Oakland A's. Favorite baseball stadium? Oh, that's tough. Uh, AT&T Park, the Giants. Wrigley or Fenway? Oh, man. Uh, Fenway. Okay, and the obvious, this is the last question that I asked, but you've like answered it a couple of times, so bear with me here. Favorite current, oh, oh no, you haven't answered this. You're, I'm wrong. Favorite current baseball player to watch? Buster Posey. Awesome. Well, Blake, you survived the lightning round. Thank you so much. I want to be respectful of your time, and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Where can people find you, your social media stuff? Yeah, of course. So Blake Jamison on Twitter. I'm very active and trying to respond to everybody. I stream on YouTube every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. Uh, that's youtube.com slash Blake Jamison. And then my website is blake.art. Awesome. Blake, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Um, I know I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did too. And um, let's definitely keep in touch and uh, talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Richard. Okay. Have a good day. Bye. And this will do it for this episode of In the Clubhouse. If you like this episode, please make sure to like, review, and rate this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And you can follow us on all the major social media channels at The Nats Report.